Calls with Kira Stories from the Art World is brought to you by the Kira Art Team, recorded during an unprecedented year and as a celebration of our community. We are fortunate enough to know and work with some of the best in the art sector, and we are delighted to be sharing their fascinating and inspiring stories with you throughout this series. We hope you enjoy learning more about the wonderful world we work in. Please forgive us for the sound quality. These interviews were recorded at home while in lockdown. Maureen Tangai is a French art entrepreneur, speaker, and media commentator. In June 2015, she founded MT Art Agency, the first agency for artists worldwide, in order to provide a better supporting structure for artists outside the traditional gallery model. Maureen is a member of the Thousand Network, the Creative Industries Federation, the Association of Women Art Dealers, and the Association of Women in the Arts. She also serves as a young patron of the V&A Museum and has been appointed Fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. She has delivered two TEDx talks on how to transform cities with art in 2017 and on how social media visuals affects our mind. In 2018, Tangai was a recipient of Forbes 30 Under 30 in Europe for art and culture. Maureen and I met through Christie's Education and MT Art Agency's The Young Collectors Club, for which I gave the introductory lecture, recorded in Maureen's homeland of France. Hello. Hi, Maureen, it's Georgia. So I just wondered, perhaps you could tell us when your interest in art began. So I think for me, like, it's, it's more like interest in, in creativity and, and people who were talented, if that makes sense. So yeah. this started as early as I could read books. Um, so I remember being absolutely fascinated um, when people used to talk about musicians or, like, artists or dancers. Anyone who had talent um, seems to be completely fascinating. And I would love to... I love to watch movies about them. I love to read books about them. So... Started really early on. I just, I just really respected people who were talented. Yeah. So um, we'll talk about your business that you started shortly, but I just wondered if you could explain what led you there. So I think you know I've been in the art world for eleven years, um, so coming to twelve actually. So I was very lucky to be the young gallery manager of Steve Lazarudi, who discovered Banksy and JR. So I was twenty-one. And I managed his gallery called The Outsiders. Yeah. Um, I was super fortunate because I got to kind of do my first solo show with Connor Hankton, who's literally amazing, both as an oil painter, but also as a street artist. And then two years on from that, I was approached by an investor called Dester Sebag, who had an advertising company in LA. Yeah. And who offered to me to co-own a gallery. So he will have 50% by putting the money in. And I will have 50% by putting, um, you know, the work in, whether that's like um, bringing talents or artists or, yeah, sorry, I, that's, it's, it's kind of taking part in that opinion. That's okay, don't um, worry. So whether it's bringing talents or artists or, you know, kind of developing the gallery on that side. So I was yeah. 23 and the gallery was in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Um, it was called Dury Gallery, 
which was named after the island I come from called Ile de Ray, which is just off the west coast of France. Yeah. And um, and and basically from that, um, I got even luckier because I think it keeps on. I think you know you would see in my story that I never ever thought, okay, I'll be my own boss, so I will be kind of starting that or kind of company. But I think I was lucky and fortunate that. I kept on meeting people who were inspiring me to think differently. Yeah. And so the next person that I met as I was running the gallery was called Mykolovic. And he, um, he very much started one of the most powerful talent agencies in the world, who is called a TAA. And so Mykolovic will be behind a Jurassic Park or Steven Spielberg or the carry of Tom Cruise. And, and I thought that was really interesting in how he had built a powerhouse. You know, he's one of the most famous people in, in LA, um, as a talent manager, he yeah. sold off his business years back. Um, but the way he talked about talents and supported them and kind of built their careers felt a lot more like I, that's what I wanted to do more than kind of running a shop, which really felt like I had a luxury shop with a gallery. Um, so I think again, kind of taking from that experience, um, and kind of running through the, the art market and realizing that this was not existing then. Yeah, um, I took this back and and uh, built the business back in London. Amazing. So, could you tell us about the the company you founded, MTR Agency? Um, so, MTR Agency is a first client agency. Therefore, so what that means is like we don't just see artists as like making artworks; we see them as talent. And by this, we kind of look to build their reputation, their press, and you know their projects, and very much build their profile. If that makes sense. Definitely. Um, and so, for us, like. Um, whether or not they will be on the cover of a magazine or whether they do a big public art project or whether they will work for brands or whether they will sell their work to a collector as relevant. Uh, we believe that like building their credibility, visibility, reputation is really key. Yeah. Um, and the three things matters basically. So we've opened up new streams of revenue for artists, um, not just by multiplying the sale of artworks, but also, um, you know, making money through public art and by collaboration, but we also, um, built on the visibility of artists much faster, like not just through uh, the art world demographic, but across multiple dem- demographics, which means that ultimately the artists are hopefully more known, you know, um, and making more money from that and, and gain credibility a lot faster as well. So that's basically what we've built. We've got yeah. offices in London and Paris. We were looking at the States for this year, but as you know, in the current context, we'll be obviously waiting. Yeah. Um, but that's basically it. But you also do that through kind of partnering with brands. So you've recently launched um, a campaign with Method, the the cleaning brand. So it's really bringing art to kind of a much bigger audience. Yeah, I think for me, like I see the name of the artist as a reputation I want to build. Yeah. Um, And then therefore we just partner that with whoever is relevant for the name of the artist. You know, Method really suited Jasmine Pradisto because she talks a lot about sustainability and how we should not be throwing any type of objects. Um, and she's kind of the one that we've got the first material that saw the pollution from the air. So um, method in the sense of making objects too beautiful to throw, even common objects made a lot of sense for her, you know? Yeah. So could you tell us about kind of working with the artists and particularly how you choose the artists that you represent? So we have a selection committee, so I'm not the one that's in charge of that. Um, and basically, because we get over 200 applications a month, um, so that will be, you know, and, and also I think our vision is very much that we don't want it to be the tape of someone from the team. We want it to be something that uh, responds to criterions. Yeah. We look for the artists that are most innovative, so 
as you know, we, you know, we've had already two of our artists on the 430 on the 30th for their innovation category. Yeah. Um, so safety because they invented the first biodegradable uh, street art painting and obvious were the first artists to sell an artificial intelligence painting for half a million acquisitions. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the innovation in terms of the technique really matters. Then we also look for an amazing story. Um, we don't tend to, to, we can't just have artworks that are decorative because we build up the story of the person that we work with. Yeah. Um, so obviously the storytelling part is really important. And then we look for people who have specific, again, kind of personalities and I guess very ambitious, passionate, um, and uh, kind of obsessive as well. You know, like we want someone who they, they incredibly want to succeed. It's not just an option, you know? Yeah. So we actually met because of the agency's partnership with Christie's Education um, through the Young Collectors Club. Um, could you tell us about that and why you thought that was an important initiative to be a part of? I think it was ironic is, as you know, we didn't we don't concentrate on selling artworks and walls, but it's a part yeah. of what we do. Um, but I think having widened the visibility, so let's say, as you said, with the partnership of Method, which put art on had for cleaning bottles, we've actually reached new demographics and some of that demographic have since been buying art through us. Yeah. So I think our partnerships or our public art has kind of created a lot of artwork sales as well, you know? Yeah. And which basically meant that we ended up having more art collectors and our collectors were solely concentrated on men. Um, our worries with this is we're not an events company and as you know, we're a completely client agency and we wanted to still offer a community spirit to those people who were fast growing in terms of numbers. Um, but we wanted to do that with the best people to do that with. And, and Christian education sounded like the right people that we could kind of merge that community with, you know. And it's important for us that those people make the best decisions and are enjoying the fact that they're all growing as young collectors together. Um, and yeah, it felt like a really lovely initiative and, and our ambassador, um, Charlotte also became the ambassador of, um, the Christie's Young Creators Club as well with us. Yeah. Um, changing the subject slightly. So you, you're a real advocate for the importance of public art and the kind of healing power of art, which is particularly important at this time. Um, perhaps you could just explain this. Um, so I think, Again, I see art as a medium, so I didn't see that art as an object, and I feel that therefore the world we live in is, is incredibly visual, as you know. Yeah. So whether it's through our social media, whether it's through our streets, whether it's through our homes, like my dream is basically that art is, um, inspires us throughout, you know. Yeah. Um, so, of course, the, the one thing is, with kind of, I researched personally, and, and my first academic paper was on how can art add values in this environment and, and, and the kind of values that the art is adding from well-being to obviously the mental health increase, but also um, the economics as well, um, which means that ultimately we believe that like the artist is, is valuable in, in all the types of environments. And, and I think at a time like this, we know we've, we've continued to generate projects with brands and public art on the same level. So you will see over the coming weeks that we've got two big public art projects responding to the crisis. Um, because I think it is, we are showing that it's not just something superficial, it's actually something that generally adds that value. Yeah. And if we think of our collectors, it's actually quite similar because although not everyone can buy art, the ones that can um, have generally texted us constantly since the beginning of the crisis saying how much the added value that they had the work and they were inspired by it, you know? Yeah. 
yeah, so it's not just about the the monetary value for them. No, but I think it's a, I think the reason we talk a lot about economics is, as you know, like ninety percent of people from the art world comes from privilege and and means. Yeah. Um, I didn't, so I, you know, the company had to work financially from day one. Yeah. Um, and and I am very pronounced about this talk about the economics because I don't just want to sell to collectors who can afford to lose money if the artist doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, I want to sell to people who, you know, they have to watch out what they spend, and 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 that's the reason I think why our community of collectors are growing. That's the reason why the public arts or cities of developments trust us because we do understand the value of, of one pound, you know, so we wouldn't yeah. over waste it. We would um, really kind of deliver value with it and, and brands are the same. So I think the economics for me is, is less really about the greed of it. It's more about the fact that most of the people in the art world don't address it, but most yeah. people in the world have to address it. Definitely. Um, so I think if you don't address it, it looks like you may not care, which is fine for you, but in reality, you have to care. Most people have to care about it. Absolutely. It's also because... You know, you will be surprised the number of artists who doesn't want to uh, talk commercially or talk yeah. about money. They're told that that's, that is the wrong thing to do. Like yeah. we've had an artist recently who said, my objective next year is to be financially independent, but I don't want to be a commercial artist. And that I think is really, uh, things that we observe in the art world is, is the fact that like most people in the art world think that money is dirty. So if they, yeah. think, if they speak about money, that will make them a lesser artist or lesser art professional. Yeah. Uh, well, in truth, I think, you know, we just don't, like, again, half of my artists have got PhDs and, and academic studies and, and they all take on pretty heavy subjects, you know. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they're not thinking commercially. And, and it's the same with us. Like, um, I personally have published academically as well and it doesn't mean that I didn't think financially. So I think it's, it's the division that I think is unhealthy um, in my head, and, and I've never divided the two. I've always said that, yes, we want to add intellectual and artistic value, but we also want to be paid really well for it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are just so many strange things like that in the art world where it just doesn't seem to, to make much sense. I know from... Well, it's because 90% of the people don't have to make sense of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the majority of people. Yeah. So could you explain what it's like being your own boss and the challenges that you've faced and how you've um, overcome them? I think, well, there's multiple challenges. Once I started the company um, five years ago, um, I basically was really attacked personally for starting something that was changing the way people were doing things. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, I was very young and I was on my own. So I think obviously receiving personal attacks is something that, now I wouldn't mind anymore, but I think when you start it's something that it feels um, incredibly attacking. Um, in the way I faced it, I think, like, I mean, again, I think now with a bit more confidence, I would just respond to it. At the time, I delayed the response, which I should have addressed much earlier. And and I think I also, I was fortunate to have uh, friends I can count on, which had nothing to do with the sector, and, and I'm very solid in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same friendships in regards to I have so many more, um, so many more friends who are entrepreneurs and work constantly helping me out, brainstorming with me and, and they tend to not be really in the same sector. They tend to actually bring the innovation out of the sector, yeah. which yeah. has really helped me. Um, and I think after that, of course, the financial side is stressful. Like, you know, I, I never wanted to kind of be a small company. So we constantly took risk, um, because that's the, that's the vision that I have for the company. Like we want to be the reference for the, 
uh, agency in our sector. So yeah. we're costly to risk. Um, but that obviously comes with um, ambition, comes with financial risk. And, and in the same way, that's kind of what we look for in artists. We look for people who, um, they're ambitious, but therefore, you know, they will take that financial risk, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I'm, I was lucky for two things. First, I had five years of clients and database. Yeah. Um, because I think in a way, like, I understood the revenue I was generating, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like when it comes to risk, I took a lot of risk really early on. Um, I think it's something but as a woman, I wanted to be a young man. Um, and I didn't want my business to be young at the same time as my kid will be young in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it's the right way to do things, but it was a specific, um, you know, we all have our ways of believing success is, and my success was that. Um, so my company had to grow quickly and had to grow to be solid to then welcome my personal life in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think my all my risks were really taken early and intensely for that matter because, ironically, my success was to be both. Um, so my, comp- my company had to be able to welcome the other side as well. So what would you say was your highlight for either your your career personally or for the business? And what projects are you really proud of? I think, it's, as you know, it's really difficult because, like, we've gone through a lot in just a few years. Yeah. Um, I, we did the largest public art painting in the world with uh, Faithy. So we closed on the Sean Mars, which is 800 metres last year. We're in partnership with the mayor of Paris, the SSS, and, and uh, the Guardian and 30 companies. And uh, being on the SLT, um um felt completely crazy because I think for a French person, this had never been done historically. So the fact that we could turn it around was very special. Yeah. Um, I think every single of their successes feels amazing, I think, frankly. Yeah. Um, of the artists. And we just did an amazing one two months, a month ago, actually. Well, we implemented 11 public art sculptures in the desert. And again, that was amazing. Um, I think the fourth was a big thing for the artists because, like, I love seeing them being recognized beyond just the outside as well. I think that was a big thing too. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately the recruitment side, I think recently our new CEO, Karen, is, has got 20 years of experience in the most major museums and, and ex-Martinites of Christie's, for instance. And the fact that she, you know, she's now joined. Um, it's a big tribute to what we're trying to build. So I think quality of people and scale of projects is always the things that I remember. Yeah. Um, but even the project of Sepe was meaningful because I was eight months pregnant, you know, and it was, it was a way, like, we won Entrepreneurs of the Year and Business of the Year last year when Atlas was just born. And that felt amazing because it was a way to say, you know, empty artists thriving. Um, but yeah. my personal life has just got a bit more complicated and, and the fact that this didn't affect um, MCR made me feel very strong as well at the time, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's what I mean. You managed to balance balance the two, which is incredibly impressive. So, I mean, who do you find inspiring currently in the art world? So I think it's interesting because none of my references are in the art world in terms of who I look up to. Yeah, okay. I think it's... And I think that's very much the way we've built our business. Um, so I think the a major politician I've always been inspired by is called Simone Vell. And she um, she basically voted the abortion law for the French in the 70s. But she also was behind the EU. Um, and she went to the concentra- concentration camps as a very young girl. 
So yeah. she's a great figure of someone that went through a lot, but still succeeded on the other side to do something that was amazing and, and, and added a lot of value to people. But she's, I think she's a role model for the elegance and the grace she kind of took it on, yeah. um, despite the, the aggressivity she, she was faced um, throughout her life. I think that's something that um, I have a lot of respect for. Um, I think Michael Lewis, you know, I was lucky to meet him and I'm lucky to know him, but he's definitely someone that has impacted my brain. I think the the American way of building people is something that has impacted me. Um, otherwise, there's also someone um, that will send you the link called Ines, and she just published an amazing book on the change of energy and sustainable energies as well. Um, and she's someone that I aspire to because she's also very vocal in her sector, the energy sector, which is tough to be vocal in. And as a woman, I think the art world, I think it's, um, and I'm generally, I have a lot of friends in it and a lot of people that I enjoy working with. Yeah. I can't talk of role models in that sense because that's the point. If we succeed in art, my artists won't just be recognized in the art world. They will be recognized everywhere. Um, so I didn't just aspire for the art world recognition, you know, that's not, that is not, like, I inspire for my artists to make people question the way they think yeah. on a much bigger scale than just a few parts of the art world. Yeah. Um, so this is sadly not where I get all my role models from. Yeah, good for you for thinking bigger. <laughs> I just wondered whether you collect art yourself. Yeah, I've collected art even when I couldn't afford it. Um, so it's been 11 years now that um, I've collected it. The first piece was from Cobb Gallery, who's in Camden in London. Yeah. And when I was 19, and it was a nice sort of, um, photograph. Um, I think, you know, I'm a complete believer. I'm someone that is a creative, so I have enormous highs and lows yeah. mentally. Like, I can come up with 10 ideas a day. I work throughout the day. I, in, I do exactly what I love. So my environment really matters. Like, if my environment is not inspiring, then yeah. my mood's not good on. Like, it's a direct effect. So, um, so the fact that, yes, I live in a house where, you know, I wake up every morning and, and the art is beautiful and they lift me up and it's, it's cool to me and it, it has always been cool. Yeah. Um, in a way that I understand it may not be for everyone, but it is essential for me. It's, it's part of my life for 11 years now. Um, and I think also, um, I just love telling stories of people are over. I just love the fact that, like, the art, like the artist, feels part of my daily existence because yeah. that's the way that my job feels like as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really nice. I think it's nice as well to see, you know, I, I love receiving pictures of our collectors leaving with the art. I think it's one of the nicest feelings is to constantly see our artists growing through multiple other lives, you know, and I think it's, it's very much the luck and privilege that I have. Um, and if you could own any work of art from any time period, irrespective of cost and location, what would it be? Um, I, th- I think it's it's not because it's the most amazing one for me now. It's more that this is the first one that got me in the sector. Yeah. And I would own it, but I would not move it from its location. So I, basically, I would, I'm happy to pay for the restoration okay. for looking after the piece. Um, it's um, The Wrath of the Medusa uh, by Jericho, who's okay. at the Louvre, and... I, that's the first work that actually moved me. It's one of the first work that I saw when I was at the Louvre, um, when I was 19. Um, but I just, it, it, that work changed something because it was not just incredible technically. Like he's the first one to kind of have taken bodies from, bodies from corpse and, and try to really mimic the bodies and, and the way it was depicted, but also the emotion of 
level were incredible. And it was a very politically engaged work as well. Like it, it was all about inequalities at the time and the fact that that birth has thanked the, the poor people sadly were the ones left behind. Yeah. And um, it just made an impression. So it's interesting. I don't really mind about ownership. Um, now, if you said, you know, like, finance has to be raised and the work has to be looked after, yeah. then that's that's the first one that I would rush to kind of save because um, it's a very meaningful work. And I think not just for me, hopefully, but for many people. Brilliant. I hope the song was okay, even with the baby as a start. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Thank you so much. Well, I'll okay. speak to you soon then. Take Have care. a lovely day. And you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at curaart.com and see you next week for another call with Cura.